Our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Actually, we don't turn to 2 Corinthians too often. I think we're much more familiar with 1 Corinthians, which is kind of too bad. Because in 2 Corinthians, Paul gets very personal. Uh, In fact, this was probably the fourth letter at least that Paul had written to the church in Corinth. He had spent about a year and a half there establishing the church, and then he went on to Ephesus and onto other missionary journeys. Uh, But Corinthians was a big part of his ministry, and this is one of the very personal letters he writes. So join with me in reading 2 Corinthians and chapter 1 and verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth and to all his holy people throughout Greece. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And then let's skip down to verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. We can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have lived with a God-given holiness and sincerity in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own human wisdom. That is how we have conducted ourselves before the world, and especially towards you. Our letters have been straightforward, and there is nothing written between the lines, and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us, even if you don't understand us now. Then on the day when the Lord Jesus returns, you will be proud of us in the same way that we are proud of you. Since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing by visiting you twice, first on my way to Macedonia, and again when I returned from Macedonia. Then you could send me on my way to Judea. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Do you think I make plans carelessly? Do you think I am like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is faithful, my word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. He always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our Amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised to us. 
Now I call upon God as my witness that I am telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. But that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you so you will be full of joy, for it is by your own faith that you stand firm. This is the word of the Lord. And what a very personal word it was from Paul to the church in Corinth. I hope you got that in that extended reading this morning. Well, Paul made a promise to the church in Corinth that he couldn't keep. That's the backstory. That's the bottom line that we pick up in that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In fact, Paul had a bit of a rocky relationship with the church in Corinth. And that comes out in 1 Corinthians and it comes out in many other ways. Uh, He often had to send harsh letters to them, letters of discipline, letters where he meant to bring them back into line uh, for the sake of the gospel. And so it was a bit of a rocky relationship. So Paul had promised to come to Corinth and to set things straight. I'm sure he sent some messengers ahead. They didn't have email or texting or anything like that. So the messengers would have gone, would have told the church, Paul's coming. And the church would have panicked a little bit, but also would have got things ready and expected Paul. The problem was, when the appointed time came, Paul didn't show up. He was a no-show. Don't you just hate it when people are no-show, when people don't keep their promises? That's the situation, the church in Corinth, because they didn't know what was happening to Paul. They only assumed that he had broken his promise to come. They were ready. He was a no-show. Now many of them were disappointed with Paul. And his detractors use this kind of disappointment to sow seeds of of, um, undermining Paul's authority. And they do that often uh, throughout uh, the letters of Paul. So Paul says three things to them, at least, in this passage. And I just want to highlight them uh, for your consideration this morning. The first thing that Paul really says to them is this. Plans have changed. Deal with it. Uh, Paul was kind of that direct with the church in Corinth and with other people from time to time. And Paul just explains, look, unexpected and unforeseen almost tragic circumstances way beyond our control kept us from coming to you, kept us from keeping our promise. Now, we don't know for sure what that was. Uh, Some people speculate it might have been the riot in Ephesus, which is recorded in Acts chapter 19 in the second part of that chapter. Whatever it was, it was major circumstances where Paul was fearful for his very life. And although he doesn't go into details, he basically says to the church in Corinth, look, there are unforeseen circumstances that happened that totally uh, took our plans away and we were not able to fulfill our promise. Second thing that Paul says, though, is this. Actually, there's a silver lining to all this. There is some good that came from me not being able to fulfill my promise. There is some good that came from an unexpected change of plans. It turned out for our good, for Paul and for Silas, for Timothy, it says it turned out for our good because we had to rely on God even more and not just our own strength. But it also turned out for your good, he says to Corinth, because then you didn't have to face the pain of a rebuke according to my authority. 
And so Paul says, count your blessings in all of this. Even though we weren't able to, to fulfill our plans, God was still at work, and there was still good that came out of this. Okay, the third thing that Paul says, he shifts the focus away from circumstances, away from how they were feeling, away from his own uh, troubles and his trials, and he shifts the focus back to God as Paul often and always actually does. And he says this, remember, God always keeps his promises. So don't use human weakness or adverse circumstances as an excuse to charge God with being fickle or uncaring. Don't use the circumstances in the world that you don't understand in order to charge God with evil. Don't do that. God always keeps his promises, and he's proven that to us by sending Jesus. Generations upon generations waited and waited for the promised Messiah. And finally, in just the right time, God sent his son. And when God sent Jesus, that is the affirmation of God's yes to all of his promises. And so we know we can trust God because he already sent his son. And that's Paul's point. Well, as I reflect on this, and I've been reflecting on this passage um, over the past month, I think back to our year together in 2020. It's been a year when plans have changed over and over again, and often drastically. And as we approach the, the end of 2019, as I think back to last December, uh, we had lots of promises. We had lots of plans. Uh, I sent out a Christmas letter just around this time last year. And in that letter, I outlined some of the things we hope to achieve as a congregation, as a, as a missional community in this place. We were hoping to develop our small group network and, and train up leaders and even new leaders and new life groups. Uh, we were building up resources for, and training for our parents and expanding our ministry to families and children. Uh, we were planning to pursue a deeper commitment to discipleship and mentorship across generations. There was a lot of exciting plans and promises that we we're making at that time. But then, on March the 17th, we recorded our first YouTube uh, video announcing the unthinkable. We announced that church services would be suspended for two weeks. Do you remember that? As you know by now, we've made the decision to suspend all church activities for the next two weeks, and that includes our Sunday morning services. The unthinkable happened. We would be without church for two weeks in this building, in this place. Well, 285 days and just about 270 YouTube videos later, we are still in the midst of this disruption. But I resonate with Paul and I resonate with his passage. We haven't been able to keep some of our promises. We haven't been able to fulfill some of our plans because as humans, we are subject to circumstances that are beyond our control. And that's just a reality that we have to deal with. And yet, like Paul points out, there is a silver lining in all this. And this is not to minimize the pain and the, the um, um, loneliness and the solitude that a lot of people are facing. But this year has forced us to trust God even more. I hope you felt that. I, I hope you've taken that as an opportunity to lean into God's grace during this really troubling time. And in spite of the very real hardship, 
So much good has come to our congregation during this experience. Our ministry reach has been extended into places that we never could have imagined. We've adapted uh, with the amazing skill of Pastor Samuel and his family and their dedication. We've adapted to online worship. New people, this is an amazing thing to me, new people now consider themselves part of the Bonavista Baptist Church community who have never even attended an online service or an on-site service. Others have come to faith. Our youth ministry under Eric's leadership has thrived and even grown. All kinds of leaders have stepped up and excelled. I think of our amazing treasurer, Yvette, and her whole finance team, and how they just mobilized and led us through this time. But I, and I can't mention everybody's names, but our elders and our trustees, our, our missions team, our personnel committee, pastoral visitation, nominating committee, the kitchen team, our administrative coordinator, the list goes on and on of the leaders in this congregation who have stepped up to the challenge, who have given their lives in service to this community in the name of Jesus, even during this change of plans. And we've been blessed by having the youngest staff members ever on Bonavista Baptist Church staff team with our very dedicated and very talented BBC Kids Ministry Team. We've even completed uh, significant repairs and upgrades to the building, while at the same time being reminded that the church goes beyond these four walls. The congregation has also been incredibly generous, financially generous, beyond all expectations. So even, even with all the hardships, we've learned so much, We've relied on God's grace, and we've seen so many blessings, even in the pain of this past year. But beyond all that, we've been reminded, and we're reminded by Paul, that God is not subject, subject to the circumstances of our lives. He is not held back in keeping his promises, and he's not fickle about making his promises either. He is faithful and we know that because his ultimate yes is seen in Jesus. We just celebrated Christmas and the birth of the Savior of the world. And because of that, we know that God keeps his promises. So let me ask you a question. What promise of God are you holding on to as we approach the new year? Now, we have to be careful with this because sometimes in our lives, we feel that God has make a, made a personal promise to us. I want to reflect more on the biblical promises that we find in the Old and New Testaments that we can relate to. Promises like this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or how about this promise? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That might be the promise you're holding on to as you enter this new year. Or this one, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What an amazing promise that is. How about this? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. There's a great promise to hold on to. Or how about this one? The suffering of this present world cannot compare to the glory that awaits us. What a precious promise, especially as we go through painful times. But here's the promise that I'm holding on to and leaning into, 
not predicting that Jesus is going to come back in 2021, but it's a promise that I want to really believe in and trust as we approach this new year. And the promise is this. It comes from Acts. This same Jesus will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, what about that promise? Uh, Where is Jesus? Is he delayed? Is he not coming? Has he stood us up? We're kind of like the Corinthian church, wondering where Paul is at. And we're sometimes wondering, Jesus, where are you at? You promised to come back, but you haven't. Well, Peter gives us the answer in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. He says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So I hope that as we enter into 2021, that this is the year where you rely and stand on the promises of God above everything else. I hope that for some of you who maybe haven't yet come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that this will be the year where you find repentance and faith and a new beginning as you trust Jesus for the very first time. I hope it's a year that we get to celebrate uh, baptisms and this commitment of faith in our community. I hope it's the year that we get to see God at work in tangible ways, in discipleship and in evangelism and missions. There are so many things God has for us this year. He's asking us to trust his promises. Well, Happy New Year. And as we enter this year, let's enter it with confidence, knowing that our God has not forgotten us, He's not slow in keeping his promises, and he always, always delivers because his yes, his amen is found in Jesus Christ. Amen.